Welcome to the tiny, dark, and dingy bedroom of one very bored individual. Please sit down, relax, and let's talk scary. This is the Scared Noodle Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Scared Noodle Podcast. As always, I am your host, Noodles, hoping to be coming to your ears on a good day, catching you on a day where everything is going very smooth. I hope there's no problems with you guys getting to work today, if that's where you're listening to me on your way to work, or if you're at the gym working out, push one more, just give it one more rep, add five more pounds, run for another minute or so, just or another 30 seconds, you know, just keep it going you know i woke up today in a very good mood and i hope to be spreading that to you as well even though the things i talk about are like horror and stuff like that and that's kind of not happy but if you're a fan of horror it does make you happy so it depends on where you see this today's episode we're going to be talking about jason blum and blumhouse productions they go hand in hand obviously he is the founder of blumhouse productions kind of just I just want to gush over how great this company has been in giving us horror movies, horror TV shows, books, just giving us horror in general, and how they've been just so successful, just mastering the art of not only making movies on a small budget and having them be very profitable, but also greenlighting movies and getting that shit done within like a year, like seriously like look if you look at everything they've done they've done it quick and very efficiently and i really just want to talk about that and how it all started but of course before we jump into all of that we're gonna do some housekeeping so screaming witch take me away So for those of you listening for the first time, thank you, welcome. This is the Scared Noodle Podcast, a podcast talking all things horror and pop culture, movies, books, TV shows, the works. You can find this podcast on wherever you found me right now, whether that was SoundCloud, Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, I'm everywhere. You can find me. I'm a podcast location whore or something like that. I don't know. I'm just very easy to find. I'm all over the place. You can also find me on Twitter at Noodle if you want to interact with me. Feel free to do so. Twitter is a fun place to, you know, just hash it out back and forth and talk about all a bunch of cool things. You can also send me questions and emails to my Gmail account, which is scarednoodlecast at gmail.com. This show is a weekly show. It comes out every single week, once a week, usually in the early part of the week between Monday and Wednesday, sometimes a bonus episode later on in the week. Some bonus episodes will be coming up. There are some Christmas movies that I can't, I want to talk about. Some very good ones, mostly bad ones. I've come to find out, I've come to realize that a lot of Christmas-based horror movies freaking suck. Like, they're horrible. I think, like, Gremlins is, like, really the only one that's great. At least great. Everything else is maybe decent at best. Horrible. Mostly. It's just bad. But we'll get into that as the weeks go by and we get closer and closer to Christmas you know, it's a great holiday. Not for horror, though. It's, it's it's terrible what they've done with horror movies in Christmas. Speaking of horror and scares, we're going to go straight into the scare of the week. So this week's scare of the week is going to be a movie called Mandy that I saw on Shudder. 
Mandy is this batshit insane Nicolas Cage movie where he goes on a freaking killing spree after they kill his lover and stuff. He just goes out to get revenge and all that. It's really good. It's, like I said, it's batshit crazy. Nicolas Cage is at his best when he's unhinged. And in this movie, he's really freaking unhinged. It's really good. It's clearly made by somebody who is very influenced by like 80s horror movies because there's a lot of homages to the point where sometimes it gets a little bit distracting like there's some cool homages in the sense of where Nicolas Cage and his woman live it's a that's a really cool homage but then some things are just so in your face and not subtle that it kind of becomes distracting but that's a little nitpick for me I'm such a horror nerd that I just pick up every easter egg that is just thrown at me or onto the screen or whatever and it's just like it sometimes distracts me when it's so heavy-handed. But what might be heavy-handed for me might be subtle for you. Not that anything in this movie is subtle. When I say this movie is nuts, this... Oh, man. Some great kills, great action scenes, just great moments of Nicolas Cage just being Nicolas Cage. It's really, really good. The best description for this movie is like uh, Texas Chainsaw meets Hellraiser and someone dropped acid in the middle of it like just straight up a nice acid tab and it's just a trip you're just tripping everywhere it's really good a lot of fun to watch my biggest gripe with this movie is that it approaches the two hour mark and if you've been listening to this show for a little while you would know that i absolutely hate horror movies that go past 90 minutes hour and 45 minutes I can deal with if it's a good movie, but once you pass that, I am annoyed and I just want this movie to end. I don't like horror movies that go near two hours. Very, very few of them are good. Most of them, it is just overstaying its welcome. And there are a couple scenes in this movie, no more than like two or three, where I'm just I was just sitting there going, can this scene end already? Can this scene please end? It's boring. I just want to get on to the to the fun stuff. Just let's get down to the fun stuff. Very predictable movie, but very well executed. A lot of fun. Definitely check it out. Like I said, it's on Shutter. It's called Mandy with Nicolas Cage. And that is my scare of the week for you. I think starting next week for scare of the week, I'm going to recommend multiple things. I don't want to just recommend one thing. I'm going to just recommend a couple things. Give you guys some options. But we'll see how that goes. I'll try that next week. If I don't really like it, I'll go back to the one recommendation per week. But now, let's get to the meat of the episode let's get to what we're here for we're here to gush over blumhouse productions and the jason blum let's do it so blumhouse productions the studio behind all the hits such as paranormal activity insidious the purge get out split halloween the list goes on and on and on about how many great movies horror movies and specifically that this company is behind Started off in the year 2000 by one Jason Blum, who in turn got his start back in the early 90s working for the Weinstein Company. Produced his first movie in 1995. It was a movie by one of his friends from college, a movie called Kicking and Screaming. It's a pretty cool story how this movie ended up getting made. Jason Blum is a friend with with Steve Martin. The guy, yes, Steve Martin playing trains, automobiles, Three Amigos, Pink Panther remake, that guy. Steve Martin was a friend of Jason Blum's family, family acquaintance pretty much, and he wrote a letter of endorsement for the script of Kicking and Screaming, which Jason shopped around Hollywood and then the movie ended up getting made. 
came out in 1995. Five years later, the man starts Blumhouse Productions, which doesn't really break out with its success until 2009 with the first Paranormal Activity, which was a movie made on a budget of $15,000 and went on to make almost $200 million. I think it, it finished somewhere around $191, $192 million, somewhere around there. And that became pretty much the basis, the the model of Blumhouse Productions, which is make a movie for the for extremely, extremely cheap, not even small budget. They termed the, the phrase micro budget, very shoestring budget, and just make a lot of money because the smaller the budget for the movie, the more chance you have at it being profitable, no matter how much it makes. Now, Blumhouse this year in 2018 has crossed over $4 billion in revenue since its inception in the year 2000. And if you do the math, they've barely gone over or even reached $100 million in total production budgets for all their movies combined. So they've been very, very good at making money. And their model just works. The micro-budget model, giving directors and everyone behind all the creators of the movies complete freedom to do what they want and then just releasing through the Hollywood studio system. Now they managed to secure a really good deal with Universal where Universal has a first look deal with all their movies and then they can decide whether they want to distribute them or not and it's been working really well you know Halloween distributed by Universal, Split and Get Out Universal so you see, they're doing very, very good for themselves recently. And pretty much, like I said, since 2009, they've been doing very, very good for themselves. And it's great to see because we're getting introduced to a lot of great filmmakers and just cool actors and all those things. And, you know, if you think about it, Blumhouse really helped M. Night Shyamalan come back. And M. Night Shyamalan... Shyamalan's comeback tour has been fantastic you know he started off with The Visit then we got Split and now we're moving on to Glass the next movie in the Unbreakable trilogy which is pretty cool because if you like Unbreakable and you like Split of course you want to see more adventures with with Kevin and Mr. Glass and all these guys you know what I mean so awesome thank you very much for all that Blum and Blumhouse Productions okay but let's gush over a little bit more about why this works why does Blumhouse work I think it's because more often than not, a lot of these movies are actually very, very good. And I think the willingness of this studio to experiment with all different types of art forms, you know, Blumhouse is not just movies, there's TV shows. They had probably their best TV show released this year, which was Sharp Objects. If you haven't seen Sharp Objects, please go see Sharp Objects. It's a very short show. It's only about eight episodes and it's really, really good. There's also a book division called Blumhouse Books that they have where they released a few books, about four or five, not much. It's only been around for a few years. And yeah, so these guys experiment a lot. And like I said, it's not just horror. There's also movies like Whiplash with J.K. Simmons, the movie about where he plays a very abusive and intense music instructor and his student, his apprentices, Miles Teller. Yes, Reed Richards from the latest Fantastic Four movie, him, that Miles Teller. And it's a really good movie that got nominated for an Oscar. Get Out also got nominated for a few Oscars. So there's a lot of good stuff coming out of here. And like I said, what I, what I, what I think works is that a lot of these movies are actually very good. And a lot of them are pleasant surprises. I think that's also one of the best things about this studio that they produce a lot of pleasant surprises. I think one of the movies that 
surprised me the most is probably Happy Death Day, which is a slasher movie that was released last year. Made a lot of money. Again, shoestring budget, made a lot of money about this girl who keeps waking up every day after being killed by the same serial killer. And it's Groundhog's Day meets, like, Scream. You know, it's very good. It's getting a sequel. And that's another thing they do. When a movie is successful, they fast-track sequels and they bring these movies out very, very efficiently. If a movie does very well, you can bet that at least within the next 18 months, there's going to be a sequel release. They did it with Paranormal Activity, they did it with Insidious, and they did it with The Purge. And in the case of movies such as The Purge, it branched out into a TV show because now we have a Purge TV show. And I think that's a very good format for that movie because there's only so many times we can sit down for 90 minutes and watch a Purge movie. I like the idea of having it spread out across 10 episodes because there's 12 hours to a purge night and trying to cram all that into a 90 minute movie. It would be really cool to see what's really going on across the country, across a specific city. You know, it's really good. I enjoyed a lot. And if you are a fan of the purge movies, you need to watch the show because it's actually very good. Now, let's look at some of the budgets. Like I said earlier... Paranormal Activity was $15,000 to make. It went on to make over $190-something million. Then you have Insidious, which was about $1.5 million to make. And then it went on to make about $97 million. Then you got movies like Sinister, which cost, again, less than... It was around $3 million, went on to make $87 million. And there are just a whole ton. I think Halloween, this year's Halloween by David Gordon Green, was probably their most expensive horror movie that they made. And that was about 10 million bucks. And it went on to make $253 million. Then you have Get Out, which is also in the $250 plus million dollar budget. But that was even cheaper than Halloween. That only cost $4.5 million to make. So you see, very, very profitable company. Very, very profitable. And... Jason Blum is just a master of this. But another, like I said, how sequels just keep getting made for these movies, they're very, very efficient at releasing a lot of good quality stuff. But let's talk about some of the movies that you may not have seen because they don't get all this press and all this all this publicity and things like that. Because Halloween got a lot of publicity thanks to Jamie Lee Curtis coming back, thanks to the fact that Universal was distributing it, thanks to John Carpenter. There was a lot going on behind it. Get Out got a lot of press because of its concept. Split got a lot of press because not only was it a great movie, but that twist that revealed that it was a sequel to Unbreakable. But there are some movies that people have not really seen, and they still made money. They still made decent money. They weren't blockbuster hits. They didn't make like $30, $40 million. But because they didn't cost much to make, of course... They were still profitable. And one of those movies that I would like to talk about is Upgrade. Upgrade is pretty much the better version of Venom. Like if you went to see Venom and you hated Venom, Upgrade, which came out a few months before, is the same exact movie, just more sci-fi, less comic booky. Even the main actor, Logan Marshall Green, look at a picture of this man. Look him up right now and tell me he does not look like... Tom Hardy. The man is a walking stunt double of Tom Hardy. So when you watch this trailer and you watch it side by side next to the Venom trailer, it's insane it, like how similar these two movies are and that this movie came out first. I, I, it makes me wonder if there was 
a script, like a, a spec script about this type of storyline, this body horror storyline about being taken over by a sentient being. In this movie, it's more an AI, whereas in Venom, it's the symbiote or symbiote, depending on your how you pronounce the word, thanks to the stupid movie that fucked up the pronunciation. But yeah, no. Upgrade, very good movie. Definitely check it out. It's one of Blumhouse's pleasant surprises, just like Happy Death Day was a pleasant surprise. Also, this movie called Hush. Now, Hush is really good. It's it's directed by Mike Flanagan. And Mike Flanagan has directed a lot of movies for Blumhouse. Oculus, Before I Wake, the Ouija, the Ouija movies. And he also actually directed, produced, and wrote The Haunting of Hill House. Which, as you all know, I didn't like. But I do like Mike Flanagan. He's pretty good at what he does. And... Hush is a really good slasher movie, although I guess it's more home invasion. Let's just call it a slasher. A slasher slash home invasion movie about this woman who is deaf and this serial killer who happens to pass by her house and realize that she's deaf and he decides to have fun with her and she turns into, by the end of the movie, she turns into this crazy badass and she fights back. It's really good. It's a really good movie. If you haven't seen Hush, look it up. Another Blumhouse movie and... I can just list off more and more and more movies that these guys make. But I also want to talk about some of the directors that have come out of this studio. That this studio and Jason Blum himself have helped catapult into stardom, you know. One of them, the biggest one, is probably James Wan. You know, he did Saw with Lei Wano. I hope I said his name right. Lei Wano or Lee Wano. I think it's Lei but his last name is either Wano or Wano. I'm very sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Very sorry. But James Wan and Lei Wano, great team. They started off Saw. They went on and started off The Conjuring. They also did Insidious. And that relationship he has with Jason Blum has been very good. Now, The Conjuring movies and their spinoffs are not part of Blumhouse, whereas Insidious is. However, they're all distributed... Well, the Conjuring movies are distributed by Universal, so maybe they're all in the same universe. Who knows? But James Wan, who started off with Saw, went on to make movies with Blumhouse, and now he's about to release his biggest hit, probably, in his whole career of all time, which is going to be Aquaman. Thanks to Blumhouse, you know, he made it to where he is now. Also, let's not just thank Blumhouse. You know, we all know that this man is very talented. If you like horror movies, you know damn well that this man is a very talented horror director. He's kind of gotten very cheesy recently with all his jump scares and stuff like that. But speaking of a director who went from horror to directing a big budget superhero movie, there's also Scott Derrickson who gave us Sinister which is one of Blumhouse's best horror movies. I love Sinister. If you've never seen Sinister, definitely check that out. It's a very good movie. But Scott Derrickson actually went on to direct Doctor Strange. He also directed The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is a horrible movie. Don't ever watch that. He directed Deliver Us from Evil, which I have not seen, but maybe it's good. I don't know. I should check it out. It's a, it's a movie produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, another great producer. And... Let's see, some other directors that I can think of off the top of my head will have to be the guy behind The Purge, um, James DeMonaco. He produced The Purge, another great director. He hasn't really done anything big since, but before, before The Purge, he actually produced, well, not produced, but he wrote a screenplay for the movie Jack with Robin Williams. So he's been around for a while. 
he was more of a writer before he started making the Purge movies. So hopefully he starts branching out and doing his own thing because he actually wrote some pretty good movies like Skinwalkers, the remake to Assault on Precinct 13, the movie The Negotiator with Samuel L. Jackson. So very good guy to have on the team. And that's another thing. If you You never really hear stories of movies going into development hell or problems on set for these movies that are coming out of Blumhouse is very efficient. It's a very well-tuned engine that's getting the job done. And I'm very, very appreciative of that. And if you like horrors, you should too. Because I feel like this is the first studio in a long time that ha- that is churning these movies out at a very quick rate and being very successful. I haven't really heard of something like this happening since before my time during the golden age of horror movies, during the Dracula and Frankenstein movies, and the return of that era in the 70s with Hammer horror movies. If you don't know about Hammer horror movies, you're probably very young, just like I am, because this was before my time, so I didn't grow up with these. I just watched them later on when I discovered them and found out about them and all that stuff. So, a very fine-tuned machine that this studio is just bringing out great movie after great movie and i really do look forward to the future of it because again these are the guys behind the upcoming five nights at freddy's movies halloween is most definitely getting a sequel and the cool thing about this halloween sequel is that everyone who was on board in the first movie is on board with the second movie John Carpenter wants to score the movie. Jamie Lee Curtis, she'll be back if David Gordy Green is back. We all know that David Gordy Green and Danny McBride did say that they wrote this movie as a a two-parter, but then they decided to scrap some things and leave it as a one movie in case it didn't do well. But, well, it did very well, and now it's time to get back in the director's chair and in the writer's room and start making the second movie because we need it. Especially since there are some things in the first movie that could be cleaned up and you could probably make up for it with a sequel. Now, doing research for Blumhouse, it's funny how little I was able to turn turn out. There's really not much going on with these guys except, you know, like I said, well-tuned engine, fine machine. Everything is working really well. This train keeps moving. Jason Blum is always all over the place, hustling and hustling getting more scripts, getting more movies, getting more things behind camera and out onto the silver screen, out into TVs, out into any form of media he can get in. But it really boggles my mind, not in a bad way. Like, I'm really surprised at how well everything is going and how drama-free this is. I'm pretty sure there has been a lot of things going on that don't come out into the light, which is really cool. But a lot of great relationships... These movies are made really well, really quickly turned out, and they make their movies. So there's not really much out there to say, and I was really surprised. I thought I was going to find a whole bunch of stuff, but there's really not much going on with these guys. So I'm going to tell you guys, just give you a list, a list of movies by Blumhouse that came out. But before I make that list, I just want to make a side note here and reveal that the movie Two Fairy but from The Rock, that starring The Rock, is actually was co-produced by Blumhouse, and this is probably their most expensive movie ever produced because it's forty-eight million dollars. It was actually it was obviously a movie produced by multiple companies, but I find it funny that Blumhouse, a studio known for horror movies and Whiplash, actually helped produce Two Fairy. That's funny, but I just want to give you guys a list of movies, not like my top anything. Just if you like horror movies and you haven't really been keeping up with Blumhouse until 
recently with the release of, you know, Split, Get Out, Halloween, all that stuff. Here are some movies that I'm going to tell you to see and some movies I will tell you to avoid. Now, first and foremost, go see the movie that started it all, Paranormal Activity, if you haven't seen it. Definitely watch the first Insidious. I'm not a fan of the Insidious franchise, but I think the first one is pretty okay. There's a real huge reason why I don't like this movie, and it's because the demon in it looks exactly like Darth Maul, and that just took me out of the entire movie and franchise. I just was like, what? And then The Conjuring came out, and I found The Conjuring a little too similar to Insidious, but a better version of it. I do still think that Insidious is worth watching just to see where James Wan started changing towards this director who was into torture porn and now he got into supernatural jump scare heavy style horror movies. So Paranormal Activity, definitely check out Insidious. Skip the original Purge movie. You don't have to see it. You can jump straight to Purge 2. Watch the second and third Paranormal Activity movies. Definitely watch Insidious 3. That's actually the best Insidious movie out of all of them. It's the only one I actually like from start to finish. Definitely check out Whiplash. Definitely check out this movie called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Now let's move to things that are a bit more recent. Check out Sinister. Check out Hush. Check out Upgrade. I think Upgrade is the movie that... If you follow Jason Blum on Twitter, I feel like that is the one movie he really put his heart and soul into marketing and telling people to go see. It's a really good movie and I think it's their least seen movie this year because it was obviously, it came out in the build-up towards Halloween. So, it makes sense. But, it's really good. It's a lot of fun, especially if you hated Venom. There is a good version of Venom. It's Upgrade. Go check it out. Of course, see Get Out, but you most likely did. Check out Happy Death Day. Check out the movie Creep and its sequel, Creep 2. I think they're both on Netflix. It's really good. Definitely check out True for Dare. It's actually a very underrated, pleasant surprise horror movie. Check out Halloween. Check out Cam, which Cam is a movie that just came out on Netflix. Definitely check that movie out. And of course, see Black Klansman, a movie with Spike Lee that's so good. I saw it over the summer. And I know some of these movies that I recommended aren't horror movies, and this is a horror podcast, but still, definitely check out Black Klansman. Very good movie. Saw it over the summer. Hilarious. Very real. Very in your face. A lot of great performances. Check those movies out. Now, for movies you should avoid, avoid Insidious Chapter 2, avoid Insidious The Last Key, avoid The First Purge, avoid 13 Sins, avoid Paranormal Activity 4 and 5, Avoid Unfriended, Dark Web, and definitely avoid Amityville, The Awakening. Yes, that's it. Those are the movies to avoid, and I told you the movies to watch. Just want to say one more time, thank you, Jason Blum. Thank you, Blumhouse Productions. What you guys are doing is just, you're doing the work of the Dark Lord, the Dark Lord of horror movies. You guys are really just so good at what you're don't, it ain't broke. Don't even try to fix it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Thank you for reinvigorating the horror movie franchise. Thank you for legitimizing horror movies because the way people speak about horror movies now, there's genuine excitement for them. They're not looked down upon as much as they were. It's like when Scream first came out and people looked at horror movies with respect. But then, unfortunately, Scream was followed by garbage like I Know What You Did Last Summer in Urban Legends. Whereas Blumhouse released Paranormal Activity and then they continued to release smart, good horror movies movies to look forward to that are coming out from these guys 
obviously Glass, which comes out in January. Happy Death Day to You, the sequel to Happy Death Day, which comes out on Valentine's Day. So now I know what I'm doing on Valentine's Day. And of course, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, which is probably going to be their first foray into like maybe a kid-friendly... I don't know what's going on with this movie that's very weird, but I think it's going to be a lighter take on the horror movies, but I think it's still going to be good. They're also helping to produce a Spawn movie, a reboot, with Jamie Foxx set to star as Spawn himself. And I know Jeremy Renner's going to be in this movie. I think he's going to play the character... I think he's going to play Twitch. Yeah, I think he's playing Twitch in this movie, which is pretty cool. I would love to see that Jeremy Renner take on that role. Yeah, so a lot to look forward to, a lot to be grateful for from these guys. Once again, thank you, Jason Blum. Now let's move on to some reader mail. Now my first question comes from No Name. This person has no name. It's just an email. I'm not reading anybody's email. I don't want them to get emails from other people and then, you know, some weirdos and shit like that. But the question reads, Noodles, you spoke about Resident Evil, but you didn't really talk about Silent Hill. was wondering if you have any experience with this franchise, as I love it. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Whew. That hit my heart. Yes, random person. I have played Silent Hill. Wasn't really a fan of it. I didn't really like the first one, although I did find it to be utterly freaking terrifying at first. I grew an appreciation for it years later as an adult. I went back and revisited them. I asked my brother to lend me the games because my brother was a huge fan of, of Silent Hill. So I like the odd number games in Silent Hill. Silent Hill 1, Silent Hill 3. I hate Silent Hill 4. And I just leave Silent Hill 2 in a category of its own because it's clearly the greatest horror video game ever freaking made. Really good game. I love the movies as well. I don't know if you ever watched the movies or anything. I do love the first one. I think the first one is perfect. The second one is it's an acquired taste, but I think the fan service saves it. And I do like seeing Kit Harington, a.k.a. Jon Snow, in that movie. Really good stuff. So, yeah, I like Silent Hill. I like the movies. I was looking forward to PT or Silent Hills, but you know what happened with Kojima and all that stuff. That sucks. But yeah, Silent Hills is great. Next question. Nicole asks, Mary Boff kill Leatherface Freddy Pinhead. The fuck? <laughs> Mary Boff kill. All right. This is going to be hard. This is going to be a tough one because I, I just rather kill all of them. So I'll I'll kill Freddy. I guess I'm gonna fuck Pinhead, and then I'm just gonna marry Leatherface. Cause if I marry Leatherface, I'll marry into a family, you know. And Pinhead is all about sex and death, so you know he's probably gonna give you the best sex you'll ever have. You know that's all. He's pain and pleasure. That's all he is. So yeah, that was actually pretty easy. Thank you, Nicole, for the question and for leaving your name so I can read it out when I, you know. Next person, next and last question. This is actually, oh, this is actually a good one. Check this one out, guys. So Richard asks, would you rather be stuck in a horror situation with the final girl or the slut girl? Cool. I like this question because think about it. Either or, I'm screwed. But maybe I could survive. See, 
the guy with the final girl is always going to die saving the final girl, right? So I have to die. But if I'm stuck with the slutty girl, then I have a chance to survive because the slutty girl probably just had sex and I can sacrifice her ass and I'll be out, right out. So I'm going to say that I'm going to be stuck with the slutty girl because like I said, she can get killed or I can get killed. But at least there's a chance. If I'm with the final girl, she's going to survive and I'm going to die protecting her. Or even if I run away and try to sacrifice her, she's invincible. She's the final girl. She has to survive. Thank you very much for that question, Richard. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. We'll do some more next week. And now it's time to segue out of this show and wrap this up for good. So yeah, guys, thanks for listening to me gush all over how much I love Blumhouse Productions and Jason Blum himself. Be sure to check out the movies I told you to check out. And definitely look up some of the TV shows. Like I said, Sharp Objects, The Purge is a good TV show. Uh, yeah, just check those things out. I'm definitely going to be picking up some of the books. You should too. On the Blumhouse Books website, I'm going to check some of those out. Speaking of books, next week's episode, we are going to have a little bit of a battle royale between Clive Barker Jack Ketchum and Stephen King. We're going to be talking about these three legendary titans in horror writing. I might even throw in some R.O. Stein in case you have kids and you want to get them something scary to read for the holidays. We're going to talk about their best books, which ones to read, which is the best out of all of them, and all that good stuff. Remember to catch me on Twitter at CassNoodle. Again, that's at CassNoodle. Also remember to send questions to my Gmail, scarednoodlecast at gmail.com. My name is Noodles. This is the Scared Noodle Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking scary with you soon.